It's been a bit of a slow news burn ever since the Starfield Direct. Sure, we've had a few information drips between now and then, but they haven't exactly set the world on fire with a multimedia advertising campaign. Besides the three anime shorts, we were pretty well information-starved until Monday when the Constellation timeline dropped. But all of that could soon change. And the second indication of that is the most recent developer question and answer session that Bethesda Game Studios held in their own Discord. The Starfield team had 16 pre-selected questions that were answered by Will Shin, lead quest designer, and Emil Pagliarulo, lead designer. None of these questions are hard-hitting journalistic questions, but they do help shed more light on what players can expect when they jump into the world of Starfield on September 6th or September 1st if they have early access. Fair warning, if you are sensitive to spoilers, there will be slight ones peppered throughout this video. You've been warned. Question 1. Can we buy houses or property in main cities? And Will said, yep, there's housing in different cities that the player can get. Some you have to purchase, and some are rewards for specific quests. Emil followed up with, sure can. You can purchase a dwelling in all the major cities in the game. And there's at least one that you can get specifically for completing something. And while he was trying to be cheeky, I think Will already answered the question by stating, hey, it's going to be a specific quest. That was then followed up with question two. If we get the kid stuff trait, will our parents be generated based on our character's looks or are there standard parents put in place? What benefits might there be? And I actually think this was a pretty interesting question. And Will responded with, our programmers are on new face tech. We're excited to make a function that could try to match your custom face and then create the two parents. So they are based on what your character looks like. Although the specific math involved is a bit beyond me, we had similar tech in our previous games. And Emil followed that up with, yes, totally. Just as we did in Fallout 3 with your dad and in Fallout 4 with your son, in Starfield, if you take the kid stuff trait, your parents are based off of you. No spoilers, but I think fans will really appreciate the actors we got to play those roles. And they just get so into it. It's awesome. Oh, and you can get stuff. So Emil likes to be cheeky with his answers. We've learned that pretty quickly. But very interesting here that it feels like they're trying to tease that we're going to see some major actors or actresses play your parents. And I can't wait to see who they have in store. I did drop in today to see if anybody had potentially leaked anything on IMDb. And there were no additional actors or actresses that have popped up on there since Craig Seckler, who we know plays the adoring fan. Question number three. For those of us who have never played a BGS game and will be starting with Starfield, what information should we know that will make the experience more impactful right from the start? How deep should we go into creating our character's backstory before we start the game? And Emil said, hmm, well, we always make our games for fans both old and new, so you can jump in without ever having played a Bethesda title before. Followed by Will, who said, while we do start you off in the same spot, what happened to you before the game starts is totally up to you and your headcanon, Emil. But we like to look at it less as playing a game and more about living in the universe we created, which is fantastic news for people who like to play RPGs. Emphasis is mine on that last little bit. So settle in, go at your own pace, and pretty soon you'll learn all the systems and be adventuring through the settled systems the way you choose. Which Will responded with, There is a trait and background system that will let you specify more about yourself, but you can also select an anonymous background and no traits if you want. In terms of, if you've never played a BGS game before, try anything. 
We're a simulation as well as a role-playing game, so we try to support the player doing what they want as much as we can. And Emil responded, as for going into a character's backstory, that's entirely up to you. I'm all about that headcanon. For example, my latest character is a working schlub named Mitch Dombrowski. He's a husky, good-natured space trucker, and while he'll do whatever he needs to to defend himself, he'll never shoot first. He's like Han Solo's sweeter, older brother. And yes, there are traits and backgrounds that support that kind of thing. Question four. How will smuggling cargo system work? Can we hide it on the ship or sell it for more currency later? And Will said, certain items are considered contraband and you'll need to smuggle them past security ships that are in orbit of major settlements. And Emil responded, there are specific items that are considered contraband, meaning they're pretty much illegal everywhere. And yes, you can hide them using special ship modules you can purchase. So, you know, don't get caught with those harvested organs. The economy is fixed, but prices of bought and sold goods can change based on the skills you choose. So that's an interesting point that they brought up, that you don't necessarily have to worry too much about influencing the price of items because they are fixed, but you can get skills that will allow you to increase either how much things sell for or decrease how much you pay for them. And then Emil responded with, there are items with backstories, but he cannot be more specific. Question five, will there be a jail system if we committed crimes? And Will stated, yes, you can elect to go to jail or pay a fine when you're arrested or even resist arrest and try to escape. Which Emil responded, yep, the settled systems is more like Skyrim than Fallout 4's Commonwealth in that regard. You bunch of criminals. There's civilization, there's government, and there are laws. In a couple of cases, we actually explore the themes of crime and punishment in our futuristic universe. Question six, will time pass when not in the game? For example, will my trade routes, outposts, and mining operations continue to produce or does that only occur while actively playing? Which I think is a great question. Emil, the sim only runs when you're actively playing. No sleeping on the job. Will responded, only when actively playing. So really, just uh, you know, kind of walk away. <laughs> Put your character in a good spot where you, know where you feel safe. Let those outposts earn money for you. Question seven. Can you be a double agent in the game? For example, if you join the United Colonies, can you also join the Crimson Fleet and give the United Colonies information? And what factions have that feature if they do? To which Will responded, all of the playable factions can be completed independently. With the meal following up, ha, that is exactly what you can do. Infiltrate the Crimson Fleet for UC SysDef. It's specific to that quest line. And Will said, the Crimson Fleet storyline does feature you being an undercover agent inside the fleet on behalf of UC SysDef, a specific military branch of the United Colonies. But whether you betray the fleet or UC SysDef is a choice you will get to make. And Emil followed up, in the studio, I have been, half-jokingly, accused of referencing movies that some folks may have never seen because I'm old. So with this particular plotline, the inspiration was very much the movie Donnie Brasco, which is the true story of an FBI agent who infiltrates the mafia. How far will you go? On that note, if you have never seen Donnie Brasco, you owe it to yourself to go out and rent it. That is an absolutely fantastic movie starring Johnny Depp and Al Pacino, and I cannot recommend it enough. It is riveting. Question eight, depending on traits selected during character creation, will it at all be possible to play through the game in a pacifist mode, i.e. without killing anyone or even potentially anything? 
To which Will responded, I can't guarantee every mission can be completed in pacifist mode, but we do have a couple of systems that will help. Emil. So we talked about this very early on during pre-production, whether or not we would fully support a non-lethal playthrough. We realized that for various reasons, that wasn't totally feasible. Will. One system is our speech challenge game, where you can persuade someone to do something like not fight you. Emil. Now that being said, there are some good non-lethal options, whether through dialogue or by using a non-lethal weapon. Those can be used in certain situations. Honestly, a lot of situations, though, I couldn't comfortably say you can complete the entire game without killing anyone whatsoever. The settled systems is mostly civilized, but it can be a dangerous place if you're going off the beaten path, and you're absolutely going to go off the beaten path. Will, the speech challenge game is added in specific scripted moments, and we try to add one into most quests where important characters confront you. So, for those of you looking forward to a pacifist-only route, unfortunately, you're not going to get what you're looking for here. However, it does look like you will have the option to talk your way out of certain situations. So guns won't always be the answer, but sometimes guns will be the answer. Question nine, what are the beliefs and basic history of the religions we can join? Sanctum Universum, Enlightened, Great Serpent. Emil, okay, so this one, Will, yeah. Emil, existing IRL religions are part of the Starfield universe, you know, which kind of makes sense because it's spinning off of real life, right? With folks of all religions and denominations out there, but we don't really focus on them. Instead, we highlight three new ones specific to the game. Will, the Sanctum Universum is only a couple decades old in our timeline, but it's gained a lot of prominence. They believe that God is out there somewhere in the universe and that humanity's ability to travel the stars brings us closer to God. Emil, Sanctum Universum, the members called Universals, believe that God very much exists somewhere in the universe, that a higher power is guiding us all. Specifically, they believe that humanity's ability to travel the universe and grav jump is God's way of saying, I'm out here, come find me. Will Shin, the Enlightened are an atheist group that focused on humanitarian and community work. They believe that life is something every person has to take responsibility for, so that if we want the world to be a better place, we have to do it. Emil, the Enlightened. These folks are essentially organized atheists. They don't believe in any kind of higher power. Rather, they teach that human beings have to take care of each other, and they practice what they preach through various community outreach programs. House Varun. <laughs> oh boy. So in the game, you're not really sure what the complete truth is, but... The gossip among the guards is this. A county ship sets off for a new world, making grav jumps along the way. After one of the grav jumps, one of the passengers claims he spent that time communing with a celestial entity known as the Great Serpent. What was a few seconds for everyone else was much longer for him, and he brought back a mandate, which is basically get on board or be devoured when the Great Serpent encircles the universe. Is it true? I ain't saying so in the game, you sometimes face off against House Varun Zealots as an enemy group, and that's their motivation. I recently got the House Varun logo tattooed on my wrist. So yeah, I dig them. And if you haven't seen pictures of Emil, and there's going to be some shots of him throughout this video, the gentleman has a lot of tattoos, and he has a lot of swords if you've ever seen any of his personal social media. He seems like quite the interesting character and someone that a lot of people would like to have a beer with. Question 10. How many companions total will we be able to recruit? 
And Will said, there are over 20 named characters who can join your crew. And Emil responded, over 20 total, and we really focused on the members of Constellation. What Will said, <laughs> Will Shen, four of them are from Constellation and have the most story and interaction with the player, but all of the named characters have their own backgrounds and can follow you around and carry your stuff. Emil, when we first began Starfield pre-production, we looked back at our previous games and realized how popular and effective the companions were. So they were a big priority for us, and we really wanted to tie them directly to the main quest. There are some really big moments with them specifically. I should also mention that our companion voice cast is amazing. We haven't released the list yet, but you can be sure there are a lot of talented actors bringing those characters to life. Same for Constellation in general. So this is another thing I think we can look forward to to be a news beat between now and release. They will tell us who these voice actors are, and it'll be a beat. So we have at least one more beat that we know we can rely on between now and release, and that's going to be who these voice actors are. Question 11. When we assign crew members to work at Outpost, do we have to pay them salaries? <laughs> I think this is actually a really good question. Emil says, you just pay them once. We actually experimented with paying them regular salaries, but ultimately decided we just have the one cost up front. To which Will replied, yep, one-time payment that you can use the speech challenge game to negotiate over. Some traits also affect the cost. Emil, there's a lot to do in Starfield, and we wanted to minimize what the player had to constantly keep track of, which, you know, thank you, because if I wanted to deal with that, I'd just go play Eve and deal with Excel sheets. I'm glad that it's a one-time payment, and then we get to forget about it and enjoy our revenue. Question 12. Will our companions be able to level up their perks? Will their perks stack with ours? Will. All crews start with a set of skills at specific ranks. Emil, they don't level up, but they can come at different ranks depending on the companion. Will, so you might meet a character that's especially good at rifles and you hire them to watch your back. Or you might meet an astrodynamics expert that will increase your grav jump range when assigned to your ship. Emil, well, we call them skills in Starfield and they do stack with yours when relevant. Some are there for flavor to highlight companions' backgrounds and interests but you'll really feel the benefit of the ship and combat related ones. Getting a boost to your shields or seeing your companion laying down fire with a weapon they're proficient in are pretty sweet moments. That is a little disappointing that I would have liked to seen our companions actually be able to level up their skills as they use them along with us. Maybe there's a reason that that could have potentially become overpowered, but I know they had their reasons for it. It just feels a little bit of a shame that they couldn't figure out a way to make it work. 13. What are your favorite parts of the game? Emil has a lot of cheeky replies, and I think he had a really good one here. Shipping it. But seriously, folks. To which Will responded, I love finding content that I haven't seen yet or forgot about. Our games are so big that no one person is likely to have seen it all. Except the Todd father. He didn't say that. I did. Even after all our passes and levels of review. And that, folks, is how bugs sometimes manage to make their way through. Because these things are just so big. Emil, because of my position, my experience is a little different than yours. I won't speak for Will, but personally, I've seen every questline, every city, every major piece of content in the game at every stage of development. So my answer is colored by that. For me, the real pleasure is seeing how they've all evolved into the versions they are today. The versions everyone here will play. I have a real soft spot for Neon. Getting that city nailed down took a lot of work by a lot of different people, and the result is really the cyberpunk settlement I always hoped it would be. 
I also love all the quest lines. I think that they're the best we've ever done. The designers on this project totally killed it. Will, our quests really evolve over development, and it's great to see how everyone adds to them. Designers, animators, voice actors, lighting, everything. Question 14. What books or movies had a big influence on some of the quests? Will, I'm a history nerd, so I actually listen to a lot of podcasts like Hardcore History and the History of Rome. Emil, well, I'm a child of the late 70s, early 80s, and I have very fond memories of the sci-fi of that time. So let me think. Will, while our game is science fiction, I like how historians can tell you about how human beings react to extreme circumstances like war, famine, and technological breakthroughs. And you can imagine how we'd react to similar circumstances in a fictional setting just at a grander scale. Emil, Star Wars, OG Battlestar Galactica, Space 1999, Buck Rogers, Battle Beyond the Stars, Ice Pirates, and let's not forget that classic that is Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. I think I actually thought that one in 3D, but also much headier sci-fi stuff like the writings of Arthur C. Clarke and Robert Heinlein, the films like Contact, Interstellar, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and even Event Horizon. In all of these examples, you realize that outer space is two things, a source of mystery and wonder, sometimes terror, and two, a giant blank page on which you can write any story, and we have written a lot of very different stories in Starfield. In last week's Starfield Pulse podcast, I actually talked about a book that Robert Heinlein wrote, which is Starship Troopers, and it deals with citizenship and how you get that through service, and in those particular cases, through military service. So it's not a coincidence, I think, that Robert Heinlein was mentioned by Emil, because you can clearly see the influence of that book in some of the storylines that they're telling in this game, specifically about how the UC offered citizenship to people who offered up their own personal spacecraft to be part of their military. It was sort of like a citizen's brigade. 15. What are some favorite small details in Starfield to add to the immersion? Emil, I think what I really love is that although humans are living in space and our aesthetic is very much NASA punk, this is a very lived-in universe and you can see it everywhere. Will, I look really closely at all our outfits. You can see seams, materials, especially on the spacesuits. Constellation members have patches on their spacesuits and they're tied to what skills they have. Emil, you know, everyone loves the sandwiches, but it's the books that are lying around, the notes on bulletin boards, the environmental storytelling that our level designers and world artists are so good at. And speaking of books, you can guarantee that I'll be diving into these books and breaking them down in Starfield Pulse in the weeks to come. Will, we also love buttons. There's a lot of buttons. Emil, so all in, I'm a slow typer and somewhat typo obsessed. Totally love the work from our voice actors too. And the music and sound effects, and clothes. <laughs> buttons. We do love our buttons. Oh, I do want to mention this. If you haven't heard about it, Adam Savage and team are building a filming model of the Frontier. And that ship, man, and all the ships, the level of detail is insane. And if you are listening to this and not watching this, you can see that they have Adam Savage from Mythbusters making one of the ships that we're all pretty familiar with. In this case, it looks like the Aardvark. They're making a YouTube video about it. And there's speculation that these model ships could be used in a Starfield trailer coming up around release time. But again, that's just speculation. Question 16, and this is the final one. 
What is the history of the Mecca? Emil. Ooh, the mechs. Good one. So we show this a bit in one of the animated shorts. The mechs are left over from the colony wars. Note, it's colony war and not colony wars. Singular. Both sides, the United Colonies and Freestar Collective, had mechs. But the Freestar Collective really mastered them. The United Colonies had mechs too, but they also relied on the controlled alien beasts from their Xeno Warfare Division. Both of those were outlawed with the armistice that ended the colony war. I'm not saying there's an old mech battleground in the game. I'm typing it. And they've actually showed this off in video before. Mechs, not usable, no. They're in ruins. And I talked about this in one of my previous podcast episodes as well. The mechs are out there. They are probably illegal. And that's why people aren't using them. And it's highly doubtful that we're going to get to play them in game. Also because they said, we don't get mounts. So if we're if it's not a ship, we're not going to be using it. So there was a lot to break down in those 16 questions. And I said that we learned over 20 different things, but we probably learned 30 to 40. There's legitimately a bunch of detail in there. And thanks for going through it with me as I shared it with you. I decided since this was so important to actually put this up as a midweek special on the podcast. So for those of you that are going to listen to this on a Thursday, as opposed to listening to it on a Tuesday, I hope you liked it. Spoiler alert. Next Tuesday, we're going to jump into this even deeper. Additionally, I actually had the podcast up on all of the podcast services now, whereas before I was like, hey, listen to it on your favorite podcast service, as long as your podcast service is Apple or Spotify. Well, now it's on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Basically, if you can listen to a podcast there, you'll be able to find Starfield Pulse. 